me, I'm Michelle. And I'm Dana Marie, and we are Empowered to Advocate. Our goal is to help parents and caregivers uh, navigate the often confusing special education process so that they can become the best advocates for their children. Tune in every Friday for your tip, tool, or strategy that can be implemented right away so you feel confident and empowered to be the best advocate for your child. everybody this is dana marie and i am here with michelle welcome back to the empower to advocate podcast this is the last part this is part five in our five-part series on student voice and today we're going to talk about students for whom attending an iep meeting at any age might be challenging and it might be challenging for any number of different reasons um, communication behavior social emotional reasons and so we're really going to focus on this particular subset of students today for whom it's not realistic to attend part or whole of an IEP meeting. And we're gonna kind of paint some broad strokes today, but know that we are talking about preschool kindergartners all the way up through our 18 to 22 year old crowd, our students in transition settings and in transition classes and courses. So like I said, we'll paint sort of a broad stroke, but we really are talking about students at all ages and want to give you some real clear strategies, takeaways, whether you are a parent or an educator today, things that you can kind of implement right away. Um, things that you can bring into the next conversation about preparing for an IEP meeting. So with that, um, let's start talking about students at any age who might have communication mm. challenges. And so, um, Michelle, I'll pass it off to you if you want to start with a couple of different strategies for students with communication difficulties. So I think the biggest part here is to really plan and mm -hmm. strategize um, how to make giving their voice or sharing what they want to share about themselves um, in the most accessible sort of way. And very often for students who have um, unique communication needs who maybe use a assistive and augmentative communication device like an iPad or even a lower tech device like laminated, you know, picture boards or anything like that. Um, there are ways that we can utilize that and have students practice or pre-plan or even pre-record how they want to share their information. And again, like you said, this is such a broad stroke and this is why it's an individualized education plan um, because our students are all presenting with very unique needs. So it's even kind of hard to talk about this because... We have 20 minutes or so, and we're not going to really hit on the needs of all learners. But if we're thinking about students who are using some sort of assistive technology to answer questions, this could be done in, um, they could come to their meetings and present using that communication device, whatever that looks like, right? Or it might be something that's more of that interview style or information gathering before the meeting, like we talked about for a lot of our younger friends um, in part four. So when using those communication devices, this, depending on where they are and being able to learn the language of using that device, 
depending on how will depend on how much scaffolding they need to utilize that. So depending on how much direction they'll need, um, up through um, just having them answer the questions on the transition planning form as any other 14 to 22 year old would be answering, right? So it really depends on the child um, and their unique needs. I think you brought up a good point too. I think the key, regardless of which strategy you maybe try to implement is the planning ahead piece. And so for instance, if we are talking about a student who uses AAC, that's a conversation or a plan maybe between the parent caregiver and the speech language pathologist and special education liaison. So that's something the student can be working on in their speech and language sessions in the weeks leading up to the IEP meeting. If they're gonna attend the meeting, making sure that the words that they need, the pictures that they need are added to their device ahead of time so that they have time to practice with that. So it's not just being put on the spot in the meeting, um, which nobody would like, but but certainly if communication is already a challenge. One thing um, that we wanted to talk about today that we actually could have talked about in all four of the other episodes, but we're going to focus on it today, is a really easy and simple way to get students of any age involved in their IEP meeting is to have them introduce and talk about the team members that they work with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So Mm. if the student is going to attend the the meeting in person, an entry point into that conversation, an entry point into the meeting could be that they are in charge of introductions. They can introduce their parent caregiver or multiple parents caregivers. They can introduce their teacher or teachers. They can introduce the specialists on their team as a way, not just for other folks at the table to know who's there, but as a way for them to participate. If this is not something that can happen in real time during the meeting, um, Michelle kind of already glazed over this a little at the beginning, but even maybe doing a video or an audio recording prior to the meeting where the student introduces the members of their team. That could be a super simple presentation PowerPoint where the teacher, the liaison, one of the specialists helps the student upload pictures of the folks on their team and a little description of them, what they work on with them. And that can be something that can be shared at the beginning of the meeting by the student if they attend, but also maybe by the liaison or another team member if they they can't attend. Preparation is absolutely the key. We talked about, I guess it was last episode or the episode before too, about a PowerPoint presentation, setting goals for the year, the student being able to tell the team members what their vision is. If for some reason they cannot attend the meeting, this is still something they can put together and share with the team ahead of time. It doesn't even have to be during the meeting. They want to put together a presentation and their teacher liaison can share that out to the rest of the team before the meeting. It could help set the tone for the meeting. And this might not just be for a student who has communication challenges. I I think a lot of times for students who struggle social emotionally, so for students with a social emotional disability, or for some other reason, they don't feel super comfortable or anxious attending the meeting, that might be another way to be included ahead of time and to pre-plan without actually having to be there with all eyes on them. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. Um, I actually just had a 14-year-old eighth grader who up until the day of the meeting was like, yeah, I want to come to my meeting. And then the day of the meeting came and 
They were like, oh, I feel really nervous. I don't know what I would say. So that student was able to work with the liaison on the parts of the transition planning form that were really important. And then she was able to bring that information to the meeting um, with her that day, uh, which was great. So there are ways, you know, again, especially if it's their first meeting, especially if they're 14-year-olds in middle school, it's such a new experience for them. Uh, I think it's really okay to respect that decision to excuse themselves Mm -hmm. from the meeting, right? Um, As long as we're getting their input somehow into into the meeting. Something else um, that you can pre-plan and depending on a student's ability to communicate, ability to access, uh, demonstrate, or tell you what they like to do, tell you... um, or even write, or they're still learning how to use the AAC device, right? We're still working on really breaking that language code with them, is to use icons to rank or indicate activities and goals and things like that. So you could have, you know, different pictures of their schedule and have them, you know, circle or point to the things that they really like to do or pick from an array of two or um, just make note of when certain things, certain activities in the classroom are happening. Does that seem to light them up? Do they really enjoy it when you sing a particular song? Do they seem to get maybe a little bit upset and they're communicating to you via some sad tears or something when it's time to get dressed to go home or something like that, right? There are certain indications and nobody knows your child better than you. And as an educator, right, if you were with that student all day long, you and the caregivers know these students the best. So picking up on some of those cues as to what a student enjoys and maybe doesn't enjoy as much, depending on how that student communicates. And if you are an educator, we are fully aware as to educators ourselves of how there is not enough time in the day to to complete everything that you have to complete. But if you are looking for, especially in the older grades, you, you have to plan some transition activities. But even with younger kids, if you're looking for classroom activities that tie in, not just for one particular student, but for all students, transition goals and transition planning, there are a couple of things that you can do as classroom activities that could lend themselves to participation in an IEP meeting. A couple of ideas we have. One is um, a vision board. You could have the students create a vision board and whether that's in the form of like collage or if it's a drawing for little ones, whatever that looks like, but where they actually can include things that they like to do, what their interests are, some career options for down the road. If they're, if they're ready to have that conversation, that can be something that can be shared at the meeting, either by the student themselves or maybe by the liaison. Another thing for students who can communicate in any number of different ways, including, like Michelle said, maybe pointing to icons or pictures, all the way up to students who can communicate using their verbal language and really everyone in between. Another thing is to have them choose their own examples of work that they're proud of. Mm. So of activities that they're proud of that they've done in your class. So maybe putting a couple of papers in front of them 
or pulling up something on maybe the computer or Chromebook that they've done recently, something that you know that they've done well at, but having them kind of decide what they want to share with the rest of the team that really illustrates maybe a subject area that they love. Maybe they love math and they want to show the rest of the team a math assignment or activity that they're really proud of. If they've done an art project that they're really proud of, if they have a song and music, like Michelle said, that they love to sing, having that as a tangible artifact to bring to the meeting to really show and illustrate what that student likes, what their interests are, um, is a really nice way to include them in a way that might feel a little less pressure and a little bit more low stakes than maybe getting up and giving a presentation or a talk at the beginning of the meeting. For sure. For sure. I love that idea to have them pick out what they want to share as being something that they're really proud of. And I think the goal here, again, back just kind of circling back to your point that especially for our older students, we are really preparing them for the quote unquote real world, right? Even our students in preschool, we are trying to give them the skills that it's going to help them be successful in kindergarten. That's then going to give them the skills to help them be successful in elementary school. All of like constantly laying this foundation so that they can be as independent and as autonomous human beings as possible post high school. Like that is our ultimate goal with our students is to give them the support that they need so that they can be adults and navigate yeah. the world with jobs and living situations. And that's for all students, all children with disabilities, right? Um, we Our goal for them, they're going to grow up to be adults with disabilities mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they're navigating the world. So we want to make sure that they're able to do that and be able to advocate for themselves post high school. For sure. Right. For sure. And I think sort of the last piece, we talked a little bit about um, students with communication challenges, um, students with social emotional difficulties that might make it hard to sit in a meeting um, or be sort of like the center of attention at a meeting like that. There are also students who are working on their behavior and working on, you know, modifying their behavior or um, assessing their own behavior for any number of different reasons. And that might make it challenging to sit in an IEP meeting, especially if it's a meeting that goes an hour, an hour and a half, two hours. Totally depends, obviously, on the individual child. But I think one sort of easy, tangible thing is even for students who are working on their behavior, who might have a positive behavior support plan, um, who might work with the school um, BCBA um, or RBT. I think maybe utilizing that specialist, that person, having a conversation with the student beforehand to talk about um, what's working for them, what's not working for them. Um, I recently had a conversation with somebody about a behavior chart um, it works for some students. It does not work for other students. Um, that, that sort of tangible check chart or something like that. So 
bringing that team member into the fold early on and, and you know, having them have a conversation with the student that can be shared with their permission, obviously, at the meeting. It could even look like, like we said, maybe the student picking out a day that was really good for them and then maybe having them explain why that day hmm. was good for them. So if a student has a really excellent day, maybe meeting with them at the end of the day and be like, Hey, why do you think that, why do you think it went so, so well today? Why do you think you got so much work done? Um, you participated amazingly. Why do you think that is, or what was helpful for you today? Bringing them into the conversation at that point will help to inform the conversation and the decisions later at the meeting. It is not like Michelle said, it's not realistic that every student is going to be able at even ages 14 to sit through an hour, an hour and a half, two hour IEP meeting. And if our goal is to create some autonomy and to have the students participate and have a say, and obviously their programming, but in a way where they're getting to make some decisions, I think honoring those choices and decisions, even if they're last minute is really important with the goal and with the hopes of moving towards not just independence, more independence, but moving towards more inclusion in the process. Um, it is a process. You cannot invite a 15-year-old to an IEP meeting, whether you're a parent or a teacher. You can't just invite a 15-year-old to an IEP meeting who's never been to an IEP meeting and expect that it's going to be the most comfortable, easy thing for them and that it's going to be flawless integration for them. Um, as Michelle said at the beginning, it really, really takes a lot of preparation and it really um, is a gradual process of including them so that the hope is by the time they are juniors and seniors in high school or in a transition program or a transition portion post-secondary that they've sort of acquired some of those mm -hmm. skills along the way. And ultimately, the hope for this five-part series was to be able to give both caregivers and educators, and even if you're a student and you're listening, ways to know that how to be included in the conversation about you, right? Like we are having conversations about students who are human beings and they deserve to have their voices heard, not just at the meetings, but throughout the documents where we're discussing them and providing supports for them. And if our ultimate goal is to be creating supports to have students graduate or get certificates of completion and move on into the adult world, then it's important that that structure and planning for them includes them and their voice in it. It is really, really powerful to have students voice throughout documentation from the first IEP and onwards. And hopefully you have learned some new ways, some new strategies, some new things to try. And we would love to hear from you as to how some of these have worked. If you have questions, if you have other suggestions that maybe we didn't mention, because again, like we said today, all students are unique learners and all students are going to have unique ways that they demonstrate their interests and their goals. So we would love to hear from you about some of those things that you have tried with students, things that have worked. 
email us or find us anywhere on the web at Empowered to Advocate. So we look forward to hearing from you. Can't wait to talk to you and hear from you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. We hope that what you just heard is easy for you to understand and you are able to go ahead and implement it and take action right away. We always love to hear from you and how things worked out for you or what questions you have, please email us at empoweredtoadvocate at gmail.com or visit us at empoweredtoadvocate.com and schedule your 20-minute consult with us today so we can find out how we can best support you to best support your child. See you next week. To our podcast or participating in one of our live webinars or sessions, you acknowledge that Empowered to Advocate provides thoughtful, comprehensive, and data-driven coaching and advice. By participating, you understand that this service is not legal advice, nor does it constitute legal services. It is understood that E2A is serving in the role of coach and consultant to you on your child's behalf. In participating or listening, the parent or caregiver understands that there are no guarantees of success in obtaining the outcome desired by the parent or caregiver. The parent or caregiver agrees to hold Empowered to Advocate and any coaches working with them harmless with regard to the outcome of meetings, services, hearings, etc.